just speak a little bit about some prophetic words that have come into our church from, from different people, some, from prophets that came last year in particular. And it was incredible. How, how many love prophetic words? You love what God is saying over your life and over our church, and they're super encouraging. And last year we had a number of prophets come through and, and, and say some prophetic words, but to sum it all up, there were some incredible prophetic words over Hope Point Church talking about that we are going to see a revival like we've never seen before, an outpouring of God. How many know that's just not for here, but that's happening right through the body of Christ? And, um, but it was encouraging for, for, for the Lord to give us a word that it's going to start here, it's going to happen here. And, and, and the prophetic word was that there would, be, there would be fires of revival that would go from here and affect the whole nation of Australia. And that's an incredible word, but right at the end of this particular prophetic word, there was a, 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 the last phrase that it said, but your level of revival that you're going to experience and receive will be the same as your preparedness. It was a little bit like a warning at the end that said, hey, that the, the amount that you prepare will be the amount that you steward and increase it and, and, and be able to, to, to have everything that God would have for us in this season. So the preparation is key. And so, like I said this morning, the, the title is New Wineskins for a New Season. Before we get to Mark chapter 2, I just want us to just realign with the posture of God for us. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, hey, God's an angry God. Maybe you're like, hey, he's just looking to judge. Maybe he's just waiting for us to fail. Maybe he's just withholding from us. I would like to read some scriptures here um, in Psalms. Psalms 86 verse 1. This is what it says. It says, You, Lord, are forgiving and good. How many are thankful for that? You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Abounding in love. This shows us the posture, the heart of God. Psalm 84 verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is the sun shield, the Lord bestows favour and honour. Here we go. No good thing does he withhold for those who walk his blameless. He doesn't withhold anything from us for those who walk his blameless. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9, it's a very familiar verse. It says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. I love the way the message puts it. It says, God is always on the alert, constantly on the lookout for people who are totally committed to Him. These couple of scriptures give us an idea of the heart of God. What it's saying here is that that God is scanning the earth. He is scanning us this morning. He's looking, intently looking, not to withhold, not to judge, but actually to pour out strength and blessing upon His people. He is intentionally looking. He's intentionally scanning across the earth, trying to find, is there one person that is fully committed to me? 
And therefore, when we have these prophetic words, it's not like the Lord is withholding from us. It actually becomes a responsibility where it's like, hey, let's be prepared. Because the issue is not if God is going to pour in His Spirit. It's going to be, are we prepared to carry and steward the very presence of God that is about to be poured out? so much about fasting 
But the question is, Jesus, why are you violating the rituals, the traditions, our systems and our processes? I would like to propose that every miracle, everything that Jesus did, the offense to the Pharisees wasn't so much the miracle, it was the religious system that Jesus violated. We see this with the woman who was caught in adultery. You remember this. Here the Pharisees bring this woman who's been caught in the very act of adultery. And they have a structure that says we must stone her. And what happens? Jesus comes along and immediately he creates another order. Once again, the offense was at Jesus who comes and violates the religious systems and structures that have been put in place. And so to address this toxic issue, Jesus says two stories. The number one parables, he says, hey, no one get, gets a, a, a patch and sews a, a new patch onto an old garment. He says it's crazy because as soon as you wash that, the, the new patch is going to shrink and it's going to tear away and make, make the issue even worse. And then he goes on and says in verse 22, he says, And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. This picture that Jesus, this analogy that Jesus gives the audience at this time was something they were very familiar with. I don't know about you, but when I go to drink a bottle of, uh, when I go to drink wine, I'm not going to a wine skin. We're going to a bottle. But in those days it was very different. And the audience here was very familiar with this whole process of making wine from grapes. And the process was that this new wine, it would be poured into a wineskin. Now this wineskin that was used was actually an animal hide. It was actually an animal hide, an animal skin that was made to actually hold the wine. The interesting thing about this animal hide, or this vessel, this container, was that it actually had the ability to stretch, be flexible, to expand and contract. It's important because when the new wine was poured into this, how many know that in the fermentation process, it's expanding, the yeast is doing its thing, I'm acting like I know all about homebrew. <laughs> I could have at least Googled something before I got up here. But how many know that there's a fermentation process going on? And when this new wine is in this animal hide, it actually has the ability to expand and contract. And all the audience in this time knew that you never, never put new wine into an old wine skin. Why? It's because it's going to burst. The very nature of an old wine skin meant it lost its flexibility. It became old and brittle. 
And the very point is that when that new wine was put in there and it starts to do its thing with the yeast and the fermentation, all of a sudden, this old wineskin is going to burst. Has no flexibility. It's interesting here that the Pharisees, the religious people of the time, had an inability to embrace a new wineskin. They had an inability to embrace a new wineskin. Think through this for a moment. These religious leaders, they don't just do church on Sunday. This is their life. Neither do we, by the way. But this is their life. This is their occupation. They've been brought up in the Jewish culture. This is what they do. They've spent, from the earliest memory, they've spent in the pursuit of God. This is the people we're talking about. They've studied Scripture. They know Scripture off by heart. They're extremely sincere. Their hobbies are studying Scripture. On their holidays, they don't go to the beach. They study Scripture. They consume themselves with this pursuit of following God. And here we have it when, when God Himself, in the form of Jesus, is standing right in front of them. They missed it. They missed it. They had an inability to embrace a new wineskin. All of a sudden, there was thoughts in their minds that were saying, hey, we know the way things are done. We know the correct methodology. And Jesus was not conforming to what they were doing. Jesus was violating their religious system. And this issue of embracing a new wineskin has little to do with age. It's to do with a a thought process and a heart issue. But here we see these people, these Pharisees, these experts, these spiritual giants, they had an inability to embrace a new wineskin. I find it fascinating that there's this moment, the fulfillment of the promise, Jesus in front of them, and they fail to recognize the new season that they were in. Throughout Scripture, wineskin is symbolic of structure and systems. Here we see that the Pharisees, they held on to this structure, these systems, the ways of doing things and it caused them to miss God himself in front of them. As I was thinking about this week, I was actually thinking, what a tragedy. What a tragedy to think people had just devoted their whole lives in the pursuit of God and then to miss it. Not only miss it, but to oppose it. I thought, what a tragedy. What a tragedy. And as I was sitting there on the beach, as we were on holidays, I asked the Lord, what, what was it that, was, that made them miss so profoundly when you were right there in front of them?
What made them not engage, not embrace this new wineskin that Jesus is talking about? And the Lord spoke to me, and it's so simple, it'll knock you off your chair. And this is what he said. He said, they failed to embrace the new wineskin because the old wineskin was once new. The old wineskin was once new. You've got to remember that the Pharisees and all that, actually, the things that they were doing, the things that they were following, the rituals, the traditions were actually put there by God in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. And all of a sudden they were doing these things and everything that they had been doing following, the emphasis had become about the traditions, the emphasis had come about the system, the procedures, all these rituals, and they had lost the personal connection with the Father. And the reason why they failed to embrace a new wineskin was because that old wineskin was once new. How many know that something old didn't start old? I know that's another profound statement. <laughs> something old didn't start old. Something old actually started new. And as I was sitting there, it was so challenging me because it was like, hey, God has done incredible things in our life. God has done incredible things in this church. But if we, look, if we look at the past and say, and expect God to do it the way it looked like then, we're in this old wineskin thought process. Let me say it this way. Forget not his faithfulness, but forget the form that it came in. We celebrate here so much testimony that it's so powerful. But sometimes... We need to forget the form that it came in. Because sometimes the form that it came in, let's just say that you've experienced an amazing breakthrough in finances. Let's forget not the one who is faithful, who gave that to you. But sometimes we need to forget the form it came in. Because otherwise we lock God into this box and say, alright, God's got to do it like this again. And we start looking at things and saying, hey, if it doesn't look like this, then it's not God. And we miss the new wine that he wants to pour into our lives. Forget not his faithfulness, but sometimes we need to forget the form that it came in. This church, Hope Went Church, has, was started 40 years ago. And there's no denying that the church was a new wineskin and there was new wine being poured out. And it continued like that. But what we have to be careful is that we don't expect that the future is going to look like the past. We have to, we have to be careful that we don't, we don't look back at the incredible things that God has done and expect that it's going to look the same. The one who is at the core and the center, God eternal, he never changes. 
but what it looks like and how he demonstrates it will change. Why the Pharisees so struggled to embrace a new wineskin was because their old wineskin was once new. What I'd like to propose is they didn't actually know they had an old wineskin. And why this is, 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 a, is a serious message this morning is because we can oftentimes fall in that trap. We can actually believe that, wow, God has done incredible things. We now know how God works. We've got the formula. We've seen this. We've seen that. This is incredible. And God's like saying, hey, I want to bring you. I want to soften your heart. I want to change the way you're thinking so that you can embrace the new wineskin for the new season. Why is this so serious? Why is this so important? Because he clearly says here that he won't pour new wine into an old wineskin. It means they're incompatible. Oftentimes we cry out and rightly so, we say, hey God, pour out your spirit. And we often have this thought that, okay, Lord, if you pour out your spirit, then in that process, I'll change my heart, my thinking. And he's saying, no, 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 no. You change your wineskin and then I'll pour out my spirit. He's actually saying that it was impossible to pour out the new wine into an old wineskin. He will not put new revelation new anointing, new glory in a structure that doesn't have the provision or the capacity to receive it. How many feel that the Lord is calling us into a new season? It's encouraging because the people I talk to in this church believe that. It's also encouraging because the people I talk to outside this church in the body of Christ actually feel the same that the Lord is doing an incredible thing throughout the body of Christ around the world of this, the, the, the greatest times are ahead of us. I believe that the greatest outpouring of God is still yet to come and we are on the brink of about to see the greatest outpouring, the greatest revival that we've ever seen. about this, we think, hey, if he can pour it out, God turns the tables and says, no, 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 if you can get prepared. The way we get prepared is by embracing a new wineskin. How are we doing? Just as I finish up here, I was thinking about the Israelites. How many know that when they came out of Egypt, it was an incredible journey. It was like the scene had set, they come to the Red Sea, it's the big, uh, the big thing in front of them, they've got the Egyptians at the back, it makes a beautiful storyline, an amazing movie, and here the Israelites are moving forward, they can't go forward, the enemy's behind them, 
And then all of a sudden, what does Moses do? He grabs the rod, he hangs it out over the sea, and all of a sudden, the Lord creates the water to stand up like walls. And here the Israelites walk through, and we know the story, they get to the other side, and the water comes down and destroys the enemy. And that's an incredible victory. It's an incredible thing that God has done for the nation of Israel. But how many know in their minds, they were thinking God was going to deliver them by that every time. They were expecting Moses to do something. They were expecting the, the, the water to stand up like walls. And they started to believe that God was going to do the same every single time, that it was going to look the same. And I want to have a look at a couple of verses in Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, verse 18. This is the context that we, we pick it up here. It says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Verse 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. See, what had happened for the Israelites, they had seen God part the Red Sea. And that was incredible. But what he's saying is, hey, don't forget my faithfulness. Just forget the form that it came in. And here, in verse 19, he says, hey, you saw me do that in the Red Sea. Now I'm about to do something in the wilderness. And it's going to look different. He says, do you perceive it? Forget the former things. Forget the form it came in. I am doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but as I was meditating this week on this passage, it concerned me. It concerned me because the Pharisees who had spent their whole life pursuing God actually missed it. They were deceived. They actually believed that they had the very thing that was going to host the Messiah coming and they actually missed it because they didn't embrace a new white skin. All their opposition wasn't just about Jesus multiplying food and doing miracles, it was because he was violating their religious systems. He was doing things that were different to the way they had done things. I'm sure there's many people that could stand up here and give us he would got points about how we make sure that we maintain a, a soft heart, a, a clear mind, and a new white skin to be able to receive everything that God has for us. But I want to leave you with one thought this morning. There was some people that had a new white skin when Jesus came. There was Anna, there was Simeon. There was John the Baptist, there was others, and of course there was the disciples of Jesus. But there was some people that perceived it. There was some people that had a soft heart who 
who didn't just lean back on the traditions, the rituals, the systems and the structures that were in place, but actually embraced the promise of the Messiah. There were some people that actually did get it and didn't miss it. And I'm sure there could be an amazing list of practical things we could do. But I want to leave you with this one thought. And once again, it's simple. How many know that the Christian life is actually simple? Doesn't mean it's easy, but it's simple. And this is the one thought. Is we just need to get along with Jesus. The Pharisees knew the scriptures but they didn't have a personal relationship with God. They knew the scriptures, but they didn't have an intimacy with the Father. And I would encourage us in our pursuit to be prepared. We've seen the prophetic words, we've heard the prophetic words about what God is going to do in this new season. Let's be people that are prepared with new wineskins. I would like to leave you with this thought, that get alone with Him. Get alone with Jesus. Get alone with this book. And let the words and the Holy Spirit take these words and let them bring life to us. Get alone in His presence. I think it's an incredible way that, that we see this junk drop off our life is we get immersed in the presence of God. And in that place, we can boldly walk around and say, hey, I'm not going to miss it. Not out of pride and arrogance, but about saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in intimacy with the Father. Like I said, I'm sure there's other practical ways, but I want to leave you with this one thought. And that is about intimacy with the Father. Getting alone with Him. Getting in His presence. Grabbing this book and spending some time with Him. And just allowing the words on these pages to become alive and inside of us. Allow Jesus to walk off these pages and walk into your life. What I'm going to pray. Lord, we thank you what you're doing in this time. Lord, we thank you that you've enabled us to be alive. And because of that reason, you have a purpose for us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that the fresh new thing that you want to do, we thank you, Lord, that you're preparing us. We thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to us. And Lord, we want to be stewards that not only experience the fresh thing that you want to pour out, but we want to be able to, to be able to steward it correctly. Lord, I just pray for every person here now. I just pray that, that Lord, there will be moments where we would go back to the simplicity of the gospel. That we would go back to just that place, like when we first met you. That place when, when we first met you and we just got alone with this book. And you spoke to us so clearly. Lord, we thank you that you haven't changed. So the change is only on our way. And Lord, we pray that we would learn how to make this more of a lifestyle. Where we just come and we're just intimate with the Father. We sit in your presence. We allow the word of God to impact our lives. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.